Hello and welcome to the Vino Karma Project. My name is Amanda Layden and I am your hostess. If you have not already liked us on YouTube, please go ahead and do that. You can click that button below. Today, I am talking to fellow Iowan. Yes, I said Iowan. That means people who come from the state of Iowa. Uh, Chris Christensen, who is the head honcho and winesmith at Bodkin. Chris, welcome to Vino Karma. Thank you very much for having me, Amanda. Um, you kind of couldn't say no, really, because you're like, well, I guess there's one other person from Iowa in the wine trade. So we kind of have to like, I kind of have to do this. <laughs> no, with, without a doubt, like I'm always, I'm always down to anything to kind of help spread the message of diversity and inclusion and also help out another fellow Iowan. How could I, uh, how, 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 how could I say no to that? You know, there are a handful of us, including uh, Joey Ryan over at, uh, at, at Ernest Wines and um, mm. Alan at they're also those guys are also born Iowans too so well little do they know but now that you name drop them I'll be knocking on their doors next <laughs> drop the dude drop the Iowa one yeah. um and maybe we should just orient people so for those of you who don't know Iowa is a state in the United States <laughs> it's in the middle of the country it's surround. It's it's where people you get a lot of your food. So um, we grew up there. It's pretty. It's landlocked, other than a river which runs through it. And um, Chris is from the eastern edge of Iowa. Uh, so since you know neither of us grew up in the rolling fields or vineyards, like you know we weren't in Tuscany, um, we weren't like in Parle in South Africa. Uh, what took you on this journey to get into wine? You know, it is, it's probably like of all the journeys I could have gone in my life, it's probably the, the, the least expected. Um, seeing as how I grew up in a, in a, uh, a very devoutly non-drinking household uh, on top of, on top of the fact that, you know, born in Iowa. So, you know, I mean, I guess, I guess fine dining in Cedar Rapids consists of the red lobster we got in like 87. <laughs> there was like a, a TGI Fridays in 92 and an Olive Garden in 92. So that, that's what we we're dealing with here. So yeah, it was so food wine culture wasn't really part of, of, of my life growing up. Um, but yeah, I, I came out to California to go to college and, and, in, and, in, and in my time here and in that process got exposed to wine and was like, hey, this is cool. This is different. Um, you know, I don't know anything about this. It seems kind of kind of fun, different, a very California thing to do. And I really didn't want to spend my early 20s after graduating from college working in an office. I have a degree in, in data sciences before data sciences was, was even the thing. Um, yeah, you know, I, I didn't think statistics, doing statistics and writing survey questions, working through Gallup polls, a, a good way to spend early 20s. So I was like, I'll, I'll go work for wine for a couple of years. And then, um, you know, I think then go get a real job after that. And um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's kind of what first, what first got me, got me into wine. And, you know, it's, it is, it's, I found a way to make a, a real job out of it in, in the end. So, Yeah. I love it. I mean, I'm, I'm with you, you know, the only wines we had growing up on our table were those jugs of like, um, uh, Rossi, what is it? Marlo Rossi. Mm, Zinfand Marlo. White, white Zin, nothing else but mm -hmm. the white Zin and milk, because of course, as any good Iowan household, when you've got meat on your plate, you're going to pair it with milk. Dude, milk, milk. I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that people didn't know that like milk was like a, a side dish to a steak dinner. They didn't know. <laughs> I was like, why are you looking at me like I'm the one who has a problem? Like, and this right. is hot, by the way. Yeah. That's what yeah. it's hot. Of course oh, it's yeah. hot. And get your, <laughs> sack, get your sack and get your wine. 
in your sack, dude. You know, I mean, fruit salad, like jello. Fruit salad is jello. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. I mean, we could talk all day about these oh, yeah. bioinisms. Oh, wow, this could be deep. Oh. I'm curious to know what was the first alcoholic beverage you drank? And of course, it was probably on the back of a pickup truck in a cornfield. I just have to put that out there <laughs> or in your car. Um, oh, like in yes. high school, or what was like your first foray into alcohol? My first foray into alcohol, it was, um, I, man, I was a good kid. I was a super, I was a square bear, man. So, um, I think, I think my first, my first drink of, of alcohol actually, oh man, there, I got, I think I got to remember the first, first one, um, was probably, I had, a, <laughs> I think, I think I, I, I sneaked a sip of my, of my, of my, of my buddy's mom's white rush and we were out boating on the Mississippi like that. <laughs> I was probably around like, probably like 13 years old. We're like, oh, this tastes so good. Was his, was his mom, was his mom the dude? I mean, you know, honestly, <laughs> I talking about the dude far from it, man. Like, like my buddy, his, 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 his mom and dad were like, were like a second set of parents to me. And his dad was far from the dude. He was like a former, he was like a former Marine, like uh, aviation, uh, aviator, uh, mechanic. That's what he did. So he was like one of the most hard, the absolute hardest working, most detail oriented people I, I've ever met. Uh, Tom Okabransky, man. So that was, that was, that was, that was kind of my first experience there. You know, I think my first experience with, I think my next experience was like uh, my, my aunt's husband. He, uh, he gave me a sip of, he was, he's incredibly British, like painfully British. And uh, I, I got, I got, I got a, I got a, I got a, I got a, like a, like a sip of, I got a little snifter of sherry when I was about 14 years old, we were doing with, with my aunt and uncle. Um, just like, you know, slice kind of like slid me one. I'm like, I didn't know this ever really offered me alcohol before. I was like, oh, dang. Like, um, which is, which is really funny because, because uncle Christopher ended up being one of the, one of my biggest supporters and, um, just biggest fans of vodka and wines when, when I got, when I got the brand started. So I guess that that kind of went full circle. That's incredible. So talk us through, you know, Bodkin, should I know what it means? Do we know what it means? <laughs> um, um, I guess you're about to, about to find I was like, I'm trying to like, man, you know, I'm showing up here looking for, oh, here's my prop. Just moved around a few times. So I've had to explain this, but a bodkin is a type of medieval yeah. arrow. Right there, you can see it. About the size around the finger, which was used with fantastic success by the peasant bowmen of England against the arbor nobility of France during the Hundred Years' War. You know, so it's, um, <laughs> you know, you get to, get, you, anytime you get to take a, take, take a shot, it, it, you know, at fighting the class struggle, you know, use a bodkin. So. All right. I guess I'm not really caught up on the Hundred Years' War. Um, it's okay. it's the reason you should be. Like, I'm a huge nerd. Like, I have a medieval archery-themed wine brand. Like, I went to Stanford <laughs> been hardcore nerding since 33081, you know? <laughs> 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 so, so, don't, so, don't, so don't feel bad about that. Um, I actually started shooting archery when I was, like, when I was about nine years old. So Very part, cool. Part of my love for that, and I got to tie in my love of, of Shakespeare and history you know, the, the Battle of Agincourt, Henry V, we few, we happy few, we band of brothers. For he shed us both, me shall be my brother, be narrow vile. Tomorrow, gentlest condition and gentlemen now home abed in England shall find themselves accursed and hold their manhoods cheap with any speaks that fought with us upon St. Crispin's Day, you know. I like, feel like I feel like you're ready for the globe. Like, you know. I, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, the new globe 2.0. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, they, they need to look no further for their casting. Here you are. Forget, yeah, going, for, forget you know, having a pedigree from the Royal Shakespeare Company. It's yeah. like pedigree from Iowa and now a, a winesmith. 
But yeah, let it. Yeah, yeah, let yeah, letting the winemaker to do it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I probably have more business being a Shakespearean actor than I do a uh, than I do a winemaker. You know. Well, au contraire, because I have been enjoying your wines lately. Um, uh, I had your um, Blanc, Blanc, it's a Blanc de Blanc, right? Last night. Mm-hmm. And um, I have, I promised my neighbors I would open this up for them today because my neighbor, my next door neighbor is a big Savvy B fan, as he likes to say. Um, and so I was like, well, just wait for it because I have the thing for you. Um, so you created the first sparkling Sauvignon Blanc in America. Uh, what was the impetus behind um, using Savvy B um, for your sparkling as opposed to maybe some of the more traditional grape varieties? Um, I love, I love Sauvignon Blanc. I love bubbles. You know, if that, if that makes me less of a man then so be it. You know, I, I'm into what I'm into. You can't tell me nothing. I grew up biracial in Iowa in the eighties. You can't tell me nothing about me. I heard it all before. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you know, some people are just the fish like to swim upstream and that's, that's who I am. You know I mean? The idea that I couldn't find a sparkling Sauvignon Blanc in, in you know, in any store and it was something that's really made here. It was like, I know they make them in Australia, New Zealand. So why can't we do it here? And, um, yeah, it was something I really, I really want to do just based on my love of Sauvignon Blanc and my love of sparkling wine, you know, it's super, I mean, it's a super cool wine. Like people who have not tried it need to go out there and support you and try it. Um, I probably have to get another shipment of it, especially once I open up, um, the Pandora's box to my neighbors, because he's going <laughs> to be all over that this summer for yeah. sure. No, low key, yeah, low, yeah, low key. We're, we're we're like sold out for right now, but hopefully, but it's the more is getting bottled uh, in in mid April, so it'll be, Ooh, be back. Good to know. Calendar yeah. noted. Like, uh, like I said, I'm huge. I'm a huge nerd. I'm not. I'm not. I have no idea what it's like to be popular until now. You know, people <laughs> kind of feel. If people want to buy my wine, like, <laughs> you like look at me go. I'm like, oh my god! Don't let it go to your head now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so speaking of popularity, um, did you find that after, um, the murder of George Floyd last summer and, um, May, and then, you know, the uprisings that happened in June, that people started knocking down your door a little bit more, especially to support, um, underrepresented voices. Did you find that there was a shift in consumer behavior? Yeah. Yeah, hugely, hugely so. Like, like the amount of awareness that, that was put out there about supporting other African American businesses and um, African American owned owned businesses, and you know, it made its way to wine, and, and it was, um, you know, it's it's it was it was it was a really interesting thing. You know, there is I had some pretty conflicted emotions about it all. You know, um, just kind of the, the nature of the tragedy and the awareness of of of, of much more much bigger more pressing issues in, in our society, and it was like, wow, I kind of felt like I was you know, in a, in a way profiting off that, you know, mm. it brought a lot of awareness to the brand. It's, we sold, um, a, a, you know, a considerable amount of wine at, at a time where, uh, it was very helpful to the business. Um, and it was interesting to see that kind of pickup in, um, in sales, particularly like direct to consumer, cause that has been a very small part of what, um, Bodkin wines has done. This has largely been built as a three tier brand. Um, you know, it's a pretty much a one man show here and it was just very manageable to, to sell to distributors and do that work. So it, it created a, this demand from direct to consumer that we really hadn't seen before. And with that came some growing pains. So it's like, oh man, like all these orders just came, started to come in and it's like, wow, I've got kind of like first world problems here. Um, mm. So, so, so definitely were some, some, some kind of growing pains with that. But on the overall, it was great to see people really get aware, not about my brand, 
but all the all the other African American wine brands out there, you know, it was a cool thing for me to see because there were there were vintners that I wasn't familiar with mm-hmm. prior prior to you know June of of 2020, which was a really cool thing, and it's allowed me to make some really cool connections with other African American vintners uh, out there, and you know, realizing that there is a um, there are people who are who are really into what we were doing, and it's also cool because in turn, it's also inspires. Um, I don't think I'm inspirational by any stretch of imagination, but it's been cool to have people reach out to me who are interested in other African-Americans who are interested in starting their own brands and labels and taking on mentorees, which has been a really fantastic thing for me that I've really, I really enjoyed. It has brought this sparked joy in my life. I'll, I'll tell you that. So yeah, like not only did it really help, you know, from, from a business standpoint, but if, from an awareness standpoint, it's been fantastic for me because it's opened up doors for me to, to mentor and help people along the way give back, um, you know, kind of, kind of, kind of give back for some of the, the success or some of the, yeah, I don't know. I feel like that was kind of my kind of way of atoning for the success we've had. I'm just, I'm so painfully Midwestern. I'm all like, oh no, we don't deserve this. We're not those who are to be so humble, uh, to be so unhumble, you know, like, I, it's, so it's, it's been cool to kind of pay, pay that forward and open up the door for other people. It's made me feel good about. I think that's, know, that's, I think so great. And I appreciate you sharing that because I think there's, there's things in this industry. Um, you know, I worked in the trade for many, many years and I didn't see a lot of people in certain positions like me, let alone like you. Um, and still to this day, it's kind of ridiculous that we're having these conversations. Um, but it's so important to set the table and create the table you want to have. And part of, you know, what we do here at Vino Karma is creating a table to have courageous conversations, but also move the needle in ways where it needs to be moved. So kudos to you for taking on those mentees, for um, allowing other people to pave the way um, because you've, you've created a space where people can see themselves and can say, you know, he is inspirational to me and I can go out and do cool shit and create a sparkling Sauvignon Blanc. And, you know, I can, I can really like create you know, something that I think is worthwhile. And I think there's a lot of merit to that. So kudos to you. Speaking of that, what else do you think that the industry needs to do in order to start having um, more representation that really matches the consumers who are buying the wines and buying the spirits and buying the beer? Um, What steps do you think the industry needs to take? You know, I think I think part of it's like recognizing how diverse wine is. It's this this self fulfilling prophecy almost that that wine is the wine is only for a, you know a, a, a subsect of of classes in America. So so as industry, you know, it's a whole. It's like it's like recognizing, accepting, encouraging um, drinkers of of atypical backgrounds or, or or people outside the mold that we that we think drink wine. Like it's actually drilling into it and looking at the numbers of, of who's buying what. Um, I think that's going to be going to be a really important thing, you know, like in, in the broader sense. But until then, you know, it's in particular now, now that we're like thinking about opening up again um, and, and tasting rooms and people coming back to, to, to wine country in particular. You know, I, I think it's it's going to be it's really important for wineries to make people of color or people who are not typical wine drinkers in general feel welcome. In, mm-hmm. in the, I think that's the most important thing is being like, yes, like we have a place here you know, people of color are welcome. Feeling welcome is, is, is so important because it's, it's difficult being the only person of color in a room, you know, 
kind of the way that, that my life has unfolded. Um, you know, it's, it's something I, I'm, I'm, I personally am very used to um, being a person of color, being the only, you know, being the only like 10 year old kid of color at a, at a, at a at like a target, an archery target shooting competition when I was, when I was a kid, you know, like situations like that. Wait, you know? are you, are you saying Iowa is not that diverse? <laughs> Uh, it's more diverse now than when I was growing up. Actually, no, they're, 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 you know, they're actually by percentage, they're more Latinos in, than African Americans in Iowa now. Um, I think there always I, have been though, right? I mean, I think even when we were growing up, I don't even remember what the percentage was, but it was like 5% of people of color and that included Native Americans. Yeah. Um, about, yeah. About two, two and a half percent of Iowa's African American, you know, and I mean, you're from, you're from Des Moines, so you saw it, you know, maybe a little bit differently than I did, but like, well, there's there actually are more African Americans in Lynn County, Iowa, where I grew up, than there are in Sonoma County, California, and it has half the population. Lynn County does so. Um, yeah, I think that's a big thing. It's like it's like it's like inclusion. The way we the way we focus the message, the way that wine is advertised, the way wine's talked about. You know, anything that can demystify wine is going to open up wine. You know, to to more drinkers, particularly those of color. I think is positive for the industry as a whole. Yeah, I agree, and I you know even I think the battles, like just as like a white female of sometimes being the only woman in a room, I can't imagine what it's like to not have representation in other ways. This industry, I think still has in terms of the seats of power of who makes decisions, there's a long way to go um, Mm -hmm. in terms of making sure that there is representation and the decisions that are being made are really thoughtful um, not only from branding perspective to how large organizations advertise right now to, you know, just even sometimes the whitewashing of the curriculum you go through in wine school. Um, you know, it's it's there's there's some things that really fundamentally, in my opinion, need to change um, in order for this industry to become better. Yeah, and it's it's going to be more diverse. It's going to be more diverse perspectives from the top down. You know, it really, it really, it starts, it starts, it starts at the top in the highest forms of management, you know, cause there, there, there are certain things that if you didn't, if you didn't, if you haven't faced them or didn't, or certain feelings you would have that if you weren't a person of color, you wouldn't understand or you'd feel differently about, mm-hmm. you know? So, so, so greater representation of, of other minorities, particularly higher up in management and sales and marketing, I think is, is essential because that's where the decisions get made. Those yeah. are the really, so decisions get made that trickle down and affect that ultimately influence who shows up in the winery tasting room. So yeah. this is very, so very astutely, you know, it's, it's, it starts, starts at the top. Totally. You don't have to be a person of color to be aware. You need to be an ally. You need to have that as a, is to, to have that, that, that mindfulness about what's going on. You know, even if you're not a person of color and you're in just having a decision-making role in a winery, like talk to people of color, like understand, the, the situation, you know, like, like get out, like get as many outside influences as, as possible, I think is a really important thing there, you know, diverse ideas. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. One of the things I still think gets missed a lot in this trade is that um, immigrants are often the backbone of, um, you know, wine make wineries and winemaking and vineyard management. And, um, we completely, you know, forget that population. And it's like, if we didn't have some of that population, like, how do you think we'd get the wine on the table? Yeah. Um, so it's something, and and I don't see enough of moving, you know, certain populations through um, the, the proverbial ladder to get to like, oh, now you're, now you're kind of like front of house at a, um, a boutique winery, or now you actually are in marketing. You know, it's, it's like, 
there has, there's this stratification that has to be broken down or changed for sure. Yeah, I agree. That's all, you know, that's, that's all, that's all kind of part of, you know, you know, part of, part of moving things forward, advancing it as an industry, you know? Yeah. Yeah, That that, that idea that, you know, you know, yeah, I did a very good job of articulating that point. (laughs) I get it. You probably need some more wine or something. (laughs) I know. I'm fine. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just loading up on my cold pressed juice. That's like my new thing. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> my new thing is your sparkling Sauvignon Blanc. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so Orient people now, like we've talked about Iowa. So everybody knows where Iowa is. Well, we hope, you know, although people are like, oh, that- still don't. They'll, no. they'll get mixed with Idaho. Oh, like oh. boys, like, oh, like Cleveland. and like, no. You're like, I said, Iowa. I'm like corn, not potatoes, corn, not no. potatoes. Um, so can you orient people in terms of where you are, you are located, where your winery is located, where your grapes are located, all that good stuff? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty much by wines is based here out of, out of Sonoma County, California. Um, you know, the wineries make the wine and make the wine two different facilities in Sebastopol. So we're, you know, we're out here, um, you know, and best place, best place to find us online. Like we're not, you don't currently have a tasting room. Hopefully that that'll hopefully be changing fingers crossed about that. But, um, you know, currently the best places at bodkinwines.com is, is the best place to, to, to find the wines themselves. Uh, as for grape sourcing, um, sourcing grapes from all over, um, you know, Lake Sonoma, Mendocino counties now, and some, some, some also from Solano in the past. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's something I've had to put a few miles on the car every harvest to, to go <laughs> make, makes me busy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. Yeah, you know, being the king of sparkling Sauvignon Blanc means my throne is the driver's seat of a Subaru Outback. So. <laughs> That's incredible. You're not the flying winemaker. You're not a flying winemaker. You're a driving, a Subaru yeah, driving winemaker. I'm a driving winemaker. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> it. You know, but that's that's it's 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 cool. It's where I get some of my best thinking done. Just trying to turn off all 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 sound and distraction. Being like, oh, geez, uh, I think I'm about to lose this call. Uh, I'm going through a bad reception area. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's amazing get 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 stuck in my head you know it's stuck in my yeah so um tell us like for you know what's coming up for bodkin what do you have going on we know that um those we can't right now get your sparkling sparkling sauvignon blanc unless you're lucky and you were ahead of the curve and you bought a bottle or two or more beforehand um so what else is going on at bodkin that's exciting and that people should know about oh you know there's you know there's there's a lot of things there's a lot of cool stuff going on going you know going on at bodkin you know it's with and this this is also kind of been interesting to see with a lot of the um newfound interest in in the brand and awareness that's been brought after American winemakers including myself it's it's really done a lot to charge my own my my own batteries so so to speak so, so coming into this year in 2021, you know, it's, it's our, our wine club is had the, very fortunately it's grown. And, um, you know, for me, it's like, I get to, I get to focus on making some of the smaller lots, you know, the vast majority of what I make is, is two wines. It's sparkling Sauvignon Blanc and non-sparkling Sauvignon Blanc, you know, and those, those wines, I don't want to say they're formulaic by any, by any, by, you know, in the sense that it's paint by numbers or it's, it's easy to do or predictable, but there is a, a house style for making the sparkling wine. And it's, it's best that I adhere to it. You know, I was very lucky to find that out. Uh, just kind of work that process out early and early in my career. And 
you know, it's in a really comfortable spot where, you know, you go and you make your wine and that's da, 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 da. That is how you determine your house style, which is a very common thing. Like in, in Champagne, you know, all the houses have their own style and it's not formulaic, but there is a, there's a method to the production. So that is, that doesn't leave a lot of room for, for creative inputs because if it ain't broke, don't fix it, you know? So one of the exciting things is, is doing some kind of off the beaten path lots every year. Um, that, that's really, that's really excited me ways to continue to grow and progress as a winemaker. Cause if, if you're not learning and you're not growing, you're going backwards, you're headed in the wrong direction, you know? So I've always liked to bring in a couple, a couple tons of grapes and I haven't really, I've never made before and, and do those, you know, in the past it's been Muscat Canelli and Gewürztraminer, Pinot Gris, Barrel Fermented Chardonnay, Stainless Steel Chardonnay, um, Pinot Blanc, Pinot Gris, like Skin Fermented Sauv Blanc. And these do these kind of small, these cool. smaller Verdello Alberino. <laughs> yeah, like these, these kind of cool things here. So it's, it's kind of cool to get back there and like have and have the demand out there in the marketplace you know, for them and from the wine club to do new and interesting things. It's, it's really exciting when people get excited about me making wines, it makes me all the more excited to make them, you know? So I'm, I'm pretty fired up to bring back Muscat Canelli this year. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. Do a little, do a little Barbera, do a little Barbera Rosé. Oh, funny. that's nice. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited to do that, you know, you know, on, on, on the Bodkin tip and continuing on with the, with the sparkling wines and the sparkling Rosé, which is, it's done fantastically well for us. So that's, that's pretty cool. But some of the things I'm really fired up now are some of the other projects that I'm, that I'm working with, like me personally as, as a vintner. Um, one of which is where it's called Where's Linus. And it's a project I'm working on with Jenny and Francois selections. So I'm doing a little bit of natural wine uh, in conjunction with them, which has been fantastically, amazingly wonderful. Um, it's been like chicken noodle soup for my winemaking soul to, to, to get into it. You know, like I, I originally doing natty wines when I came out like that was a kind of a component of things I was doing for Bodkin back in the day, skin from, you know, skin fermented whites and, you know, kind of, kind of zero, kind of, kind of zero, zero, zero skin fermented Sauv Blanc and Muscat Canelli and, and stuff like that. So it's been cool to have an opportunity to work with Jen and Francois selections for the past couple of years to do that and continue to grow that line out. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, look for that. Where's Linus. That's so cool. I, I, I can't wait. Pretty- like it's it's kind of all over the place that's been a really exciting project um to just just to work with so it's a it's really cool like it's really it's a real challenge to try and set yourself up to be successful in making a line and you know kind of tie your hands behind the back after that so where there's no risk there's no reward right so, so true I've, I've really I've, re- I've really enjoyed it it's, it's it's a good space for me to be in it's it's a challenge both um you know in terms of execution but also in terms of planning these lines you know, because you need to set yourself up to be successful. And like I always say, like people get tired of hearing me say it, my clients for the consult with, but it's like, dude, gotta let the chemistry do the heavy lifting, <laughs> you know? And it's, it's an entire case study in that. So, so with that challenge, I, I've really enjoyed it. Um, that's super, where's Linus, shameless, shameless plug for that. And also for um, this project I'm doing, which is cans. Oh. So I'm working with, I'm working with Maker Wine, Amanda, I highly, I can make connection for you, but they are a, um, they are, it's um, a, a female founded can premium canned wine company. And they are absolutely awesome to work with. I've been working with them since 2019. Um, and it's, it's, it's really cool. They, they feature different, they feature, they feature a diverse array of producers from all different backgrounds and, and do like premium small lot wines and cans. 
which has been really fantastic to work with them on and also also serve as their as their consultant, uh, the consulting wine maker. I love it. That is so cool. It's yeah. like I joke with people. I'm like, it only took the wine industry hundreds of years to like innovate and put wine in cans. <laughs> That is so cool. Oh, sparkling Sauv Blanc in a can. So if you want to get sparkling Sauv Blanc, like Maker has cans, makerwine.com. Okay. They they have cans of that. They have cans of the rosé. Like while while I'm sold out, like I want people to be drinking it. So, so yeah. Sparkling SB. That's so cool. Portable. I love it. That is so cool. You know what I'm going to do? I'm actually going to pop your um, sparkling Sauvignon Blanc right now. Um, And I have a couple other questions for you. Um, hang on. Just... Yeah. I like that noise. I know I'm not supposed to, to do that. <laughs> um, isn't that like your favorite noise in the world? Yeah. Low key that. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> totally. That, 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 and honey, I'm sorry. You were right. <laughs> Come on. I, don't, I, don't hear, I don't hear that very often. But... I'm sure you don't because why would you? Why would I? I'm not right. <laughs> okay. You want to talk folks through this incredible sparkling Sauvignon Blanc, or should we just like leave it a mystery and people are going to have to go out and get it for themselves? I'm, I'm not, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll kind of give them, I'll kind of give them a, a preview. You know, it's, 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 it's all the best parts of Sauvignon Blanc and bubbles together in the same glass. If you're expecting cat pee back by nine grams per liter of carbon dioxide, this is not it. Um, no, it is know, not it. I, I wanted to go with a wine that was very pretty. Um, very drinkable, very enjoyable. You know, before I had kids, I like lived a very brunch centric lifestyle. Like I was into brunch and before that was a thing, you know, um, before like, Hey, let's, Hey, let's go wait for four hours at Greystone. Before that was a thing. Like I was brunching. So <laughs> I want to make the ultimate, like the ultimate brunch wine. that was like a mimosa that didn't need any orange. The Osa. Whenever I get a mimosa, I'm like, give me a mimosa, but hold the Osa. I just, I just want the mim. <laughs> it's just the bubbles. So that's what I want to go for. Like, I want to make a wine that was like, it was a pretty parts of Sauvignon Blanc with, with bubbles behind it. Mm. You know, I think it's, it's really cool. Like for me, like I'm a huge fan of, of the fruit Fajoas, BBA pineapple guavas. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this wine really has that, that market note to it with like lemon lime and these really high tones. It's not sweet. No. Like the perception of sweetness you get is just the Sauvignon Blanc BNSB. The dosage, the dosage on it's like 5.2 grams per liter, which is like half a percent. So it's, it's like, it's like half brute, you know, it's, it's very, very dry, but you know, with the, with the, with the fruit kind of with the fruit forwardness of the Sauv Blanc, it, you don't really need that much RS to have a very pretty wine that's enjoyable with or without food. You mm. know, it's wine that's just meant for like, you know, sunny days, hot babes, cool dudes, live music, you know, it pairs well with pretty much the best stuff life has to offer. So, um, I popped one of these, we have a, we live in San Diego and we have a rooftop deck that overlooks San Diego. Um, we can see down downtown from our deck and I popped one of these up on our roof. I don't know, a few weeks back. And I was like, this is the perfect wine for up here. Like this wine was made for my rooftop for, I think I was listening to D nice um, because who isn't listening to D nice right now. Um, and like, you know, my nineties R and B is my total jam. So, mm-hmm. you know, old school nineties R and B the Bodkin Sauvignon Blanc sparkling 
um, and my rooftop. So it was just like all the perfect combination. And so everybody, I mean, not that I'm inviting everybody to my rooftop for the summer, but you know, if you have a rooftop or a garden, this is the, this is the perfect wine for that as well as I agree with you. Like why not pair this with a bunch of brunch food? Yeah. Just brunch. I think, I think it's a little bit salty. I think it's like yeah. a little bit, it goes well for this, you know, salt, you know, like big fan. Like it mm. just, it, it was built for that. Like that's, that's where it lives. That's its home. Well, the million dollar question for this wine, what Iowa state fair food would you pair with this wine? Oh, you did me like that. Oh, <laughs> dude, there's, there's like, there's like part, there's like part of me that wants, that wants to say like fresh funnel cake. Um, that's, it says like Fred, that's like fresh funnel cake out the powdered sugar on it. Cause it doesn't, it doesn't need the sweetness, but there's that element of like fried buttery savoriness that, that kind of goes with, with, with that. That's good. Um, but the onion rings are also like not yeah. are, are pretty, are, are going to be a pretty strong contest along with fried pickles that you'll find. Cause it, they think kind of has that saltiness and that salinity just gets the fruit to pop. Just like, yeah, it just like wrap up to level 11, you know, like I'd, I'd say like, I don't know. I've been to the, I've been to the Iowa state fair in a minute, but if they had truffle fries or garlic fries, like that's kind of the way to go. Oh, that would be cool. Um, I also <laughs> like non-medical doctor, you know, like supported pairing is truffle fries. Yeah. I think, um, you know, you pour yourself a glass and you go see the butter cow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That in the state's biggest catfish. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yeah you, def you definitely don't want to hit the silly silo after that one though. you definitely do not <laughs> um did silly silos and sparkling wine don't mix like you're you're you're, you're giving you're giving your stomach the business <laughs> um what else excites you right now about this industry? And are there any other winemakers, distillers, brewers, chefs you have your eye on that you think people should go out there and support and also get super excited about? Oh man, like that, that list, that list is so long. Um, but I, I, I gotta zip this back to trends and stuff. That I'm excited. I'm, I'm, ex I'm excited. The wine industry is getting woke that the wine industry is becoming, becoming more aware of, in in in, me, in in many ways, like I'm, I'm glad that people and the consumers are becoming more aware of like the the, the kind of despair, both the disparity and the diversity in wine. Mm. That there's movement out there to support not just African Americans and people of, of underrepresented groups, but like family farmers and small and small you know brands in general. Just like uh, just like the Hawkeye, the Iowa Hawkeyes helmet decal says, "ANF America needs farmers." You know that's true. We need family farmers, particularly in the wine industry. You know, that's that's a big thing. And, and organic farming is very good. Sustainable farming is very important. But it's also important for for we as wineries and consumers to support independent, like grape growing operations, family growers. Like I buy all my grapes from from family from family growing operations that are, that are owner operated. You know, that's a big thing for me that I'm, I'm supporting. You know, local farmers, and it's it's cool to see how that message gets transferred up the line. And, people come to me looking for that. And it's, it's a talking point. So I think that's really, really important, you know, moving, moving forward in addition to, you know, the ideas that, that drinking wine that's made in an environmentally conscious way um, is very important too. Mm -hmm. So, so I, I think these kind of these, these social, these, these points of social awareness that go beyond race and ethnicity um, 
you know, I, I think I think that's really important that, that, that we're addressing, like as an industry and people and consumers are like talking about like that's we can talk all we want about things in the industry. But until consumers start, you know, putting their dollars behind products they believe in or that, that reflect those views, that's where you'll see kind of meaningful change. And we're starting to see that. You know. For sure. We are definitely, especially in this society with cancel culture, which I don't agree with, but um, we're seeing it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, I think the awareness, you know, that, that, it, that it's out there. I think it's, 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 you know, it's, it's important stuff. Um, so Chris, are there any winemakers, distillers, brewers, chefs that you're super excited about right now? And can you just let folks know who they are so they can go out and support them and follow them as well? Yeah. Yeah. You know, there I've, like over, over my time, I've had an opportunity to like really work with some really cool people and, and kind of been in the scene and, and got to see some cool things that they get me fired up. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really I'm really excited by what's going on in the world of canned wine. That's super, super exciting stuff, you know, and it's um, like Maker, who I mentioned before, um, but also also Weston Wilder. They're they're really cool in what they're doing. They're doing premium canned wine and, and giving back to the planet, which is, is doing one percent for the planet, which is a pretty cool thing. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be able to do this without talking about Medlock Ames Winery, who's been like fully organic since 2006. Like they were doing organic farming out there before it was cool. So Medlock Ames, check them out. I've spent uh, seven years of my career there and there are seven, seven best years um, of my time in wine as far as I built my love with Sauvignon Blanc. So big shout out to Medlock Ames Winery. Um, wine is so much bigger than just in California. So I'd, I'd have to give a shout out to um, Sheremy Wines. Uh, Sherry Law, she's an up-and-coming winemaker, business mogul, um, just just uh, uh, just a really wonderful soul. Um, she's, she's an up-and-coming, uh, very nice African-American gal. Um, her and her and her husband Todd, they're they're a mixed race couple. So like, I have so much love for them too. Just out, even outside the context of that, they're doing great things in wine in Texas. So so check that out, Sherry Wines, uh, Sherry Law, fantastic, um, great folks to be working with, great folks to. Um, no, I love what I love what she's doing for the industry as whole well and, and also the wine industry in Texas, which is really on the come up. So so that's worth that's worth checking out. And I always have to give a shout out here to one of my good friends and mentors. Uh, I don't know. I don't know where I'd be in the industry without this guy. But Chris Rusi, uh, he's the winemaker at uh, Comstock Wines here in Dry Creek and Healdsburg. He's uh, been a very good friend of mine, like a big brother um, looking out for me my entire career. So he's doing some fantastic things um, with, with the fruit there at, uh, at Comstock in Dry Creek. Check it out. You can find the Viognier. The guy's like the Viognier Whisperer. So, so, so check that out. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. I appreciate that. Very cool. We will definitely drop their links below so people can go and check it out. So I appreciate that. So Chris, maybe you can answer a question for me and I'm going to share maybe a little story with you. What is it about people with like a um, Northern European origin, which I'm making an assumption, maybe your last name is, where yeah, you totally. name the kid the same first name and last name? <laughs> oh, this is like this kind of opened up one of like the best stories. How much time? You have a few minutes. Like yeah. my story. This is. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Being Chris Christensen. Right. Like I'm like the world's darkest dude with the most Scandinavian name. Like it's <laughs> it's. it's it's totally killer. So, um, Kristen's is actually my mom's maiden name. My, my folks, my folks got divorced when I was like nine months old and my mom hated my dad's last name. Um, and so when she got divorced, she went and with a stroke of a pen, changed my last name to Christensen, which is her last name. Um, I don't really blame my mom. My dad's last name is outlaw. So I was born Christopher Reed outlaw. 
Oh, you could have been something else. <laughs> yeah, my, my dad's Greg Outlaw. My sister, my, my sister, my half sister is Lisa Joe Outlaw. Like that's, that's the last name. And I'm, and you know, there's a time where I've been having to do with, Oh, Chris, Chris, like Chris Christopherson, like joke for my entire life, you know, <laughs> um, back, back when people actually remembered who Chris Christopherson. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You get it. You know, what's up more than the blade trilogy, but yeah, it's, it, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, okay with it because outlaw was actually the name of the plantation. My ancestors came from in Mississippi. So that was the last name of the last people mm. to own my ancestors. Whoa. The outlaw plantation Starksville, Mississippi. So I'm kind of glad that, that, um, that my mom did that, you know, Mm -hmm. my kids are my, my son and daughter, they're, they're Christensen. Um, and you know, my, my brother, his kids are all Christensen. Um, you know, my sister doesn't have any children and my dad had only the two boys. So that last name from our branch of the family is gone, which, I'm cool with because, you know, it's nice to know the history behind it, but it's also nice to not walk around with knowing that my last name was, was tied to people who owed my family's property. So, wow. you know, I, you know, I, I now is, is an adult, you know, it was like, oh, well, it was such a cool last name, you know, oh, it was so cool, but you learn the history behind it. You're like, that ain't cool. That's wow. not cool. So, wow. so, so bring some, so, so bring on all 11 letters of awkward Scandinavianness. like bring it you know, Christensen. I wouldn't have it in the way now. That is like such a powerful story too, and speaks to kind of such the time in terms of identity and how people are identifying in America and the roots of our, you know, pretty bad history here in this country. So it's, wow, that is a powerful story. It's, it gets even, gets even crazier, like the wine tie into it. So my folks got divorced when I was really young and my dad was not a part of my life growing up. Mm -hmm. when I was 12, 13 years old. And um, yeah, I think last time, last time I talked to him, I was like 16 years old. Talked to him once when I was 16. And I didn't talk to him again until I was 33. Wow. And that was his, his, his girlfriend at the time. Like I get a call from somebody being like, Hey, I'm in Chicago. I'm trying to get Bodkin sent to me for Valentine's day. And it's like, Oh, wow. I'm like, okay, yeah, I can do this. It's like, it's like the 10th. I was like, I think I get some overnight options going. Like we can do this, like no problem. You pay a little bit more, but it'll get there on time. I'm like, well, how'd you come to hear about Bodkin? You know, it's kind of random. Like this is my second year. And she goes, well, I'm a friend of your father's. And I'm like, wait, what? She's like, yeah, I'm a friend of your father's. And I was like, well, kind of those moments, like totally caught me off guard. I was like, well, if you see him, let him know I got nothing but love for him. Give me wow. calls once. I hadn't talked to my dad in 16, 17 years at the time. And she said, well, I'll see him on Sunday. I'll pass that on. And you get a call back from her. She said, I talked to your dad. I give me your number. He's going to call you tomorrow. And I'm like, all right. And that was pretty cool because I've been really good friends. Like I've been able to, my dad and I have been close ever since. It's like seven, eight years ago. Wow. So, yeah. That's incredible. So, so, so in this way that like wine, like brought me back in contact with my father, like Bodkin minds, that's like the greatest thing it could have ever done for me mm. you know, was, was, was to bring my dad back in my life. Cause I've been able to have an amazing relationship going forward with him and he gets to be involved in my kid's life. And it's, it's cool to see him with them, and, um, you know, get just to kind of make up for lost time that way, you know, you get older and life starts to take more than it gives. And I'm just so fortunate to have that like back in my life. Because and I, I don't I don't know if that would have happened if it weren't for Bodkin Wines, mm. you know. 
some weird way. Like it's, it's so I've not touched, I'm, I'm in like communication now with my cousins that I never met. I got to see, I got to meet my, my grandmother before she passed a couple of years ago. You know, I was the only one of her nine grandchildren, great grandchildren she never met. And I got to, I got to, I got to, I got to, I got to meet her. You know, I got to get in touch with my dad's sisters, my aunties, my cousins and all that. So it's been this really cool thing. It's also helped me get better in touch with, with my heritage, my ethnicity. It's really helped me better understand that too. Having that connection with family that I hadn't had until my mid thirties. So that was kind of part of like what's brought me here today to talk about diversity so openly because it was something that I really didn't want to talk about before. I didn't want to talk about my race. I didn't think it was an important part of my narrative. You know, it was something I was about, honestly, to be brutally honest. Um, but like over the time that I've gotten in touch and, you know, been, you know, been, been showered with love for my, for my African-American family, got to know them. I've gotten much more comfortable in my own skin with my own race and understanding that I am a part of the black community and, yeah, my upbringing is different than a lot of people's. I sound different than a lot of people. My last name, my whole name is not very mm-hmm. black, mm-hmm. but that is less black than me, any less African-American. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just a different, I'm just a different part of it. And it also, and it also doesn't preclude me from helping out the African-American, exclude me, from helping out the African-American community, helping out people who look like me, that are brown like me. And, you know, as someone, as someone who I, you know, never really thought about is that I'm actually have a position where I can make an impact. Yeah. I never, I never, I never would dare myself to think that I was important enough to be, ever, you know, influence anybody. Mm-hmm. And over the past several years, you know, I've realized that, yeah, people are looking up to me, which is weird. People are excited about what I'm doing. You know, like I could, I can reach out to people and help bring more people into the fold. I actually do have a platform and a message and it's diversity in wine. And it, it feels great, mm. honestly, to, to be, to be part of this and out here and, and just talking to people and just, you know, helping more people get, get turned on to wine. People like me, people of my color. So, yeah. That's yeah. incredible. It's, it's no, I incredible. Kind of no, I really, I thank you for sharing that. It's really important for people to hear. And like, you know, we each have our own origin stories and coming to terms um, in ways that are helpful for you and like being able to, you know, like the, this, this is like such a powerful tool to have conversations um, and, you know, to allow people to explore humanity. So it's just like, I really appreciate you sharing that story. Like wine brought me back in connection with my father, who I, who I you know, hadn't spoken to 16, 17 years. Yeah. I talk wow. about bringing people through wine, like, wow, like, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Good. Is there anything else that I haven't asked you that I should have, or that you want to tell people about today? Wow. That's like, that's like such a, that's such a great open-ended question. Um, man, you know, I, I just, I just think as far as, as far as things that I, you know, I really, you don't want to want to talk about moving, moving forward here, you know, and it kind of, kind of ties into what you're, what you're saying before. It's just, you know, having an opportunity here to, to kind of talk about, you know, diversity, um, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the industry and how important that is. And it's and even even as a I mean, diversity, in it's, it's many forms. I think it's something that needs to be addressed. I think you touched on some of this, some of this earlier, you know, things that I'm particularly aware of and, and interested in is, um, you know, seeing seeing more um, African-Americans represented, not just as wine drinkers or but actually in production. You know, that's something that's that, that really resonates with me, um, especially given like the, the historical link between the agricultural community and a number of historically 
uh, HBCUs, you know, historically black college universities, you know, that were founded as, as trade schools and, you know, that, that, have, that have been, that have their, have their background in, in agriculture, you know, like building, like building linkages between, between those colleges and, um, you know, the California grape industry like halfway across the country from, from, from many of them. I think that's an important thing moving forward. It's like some that I'm personally focused on is finding new ways to get involved with the African-American Vintners Association to, you know, really campaign and appeal to graduates from historically mm-hmm. black college universities and people have interest in agriculture and even the degrees in, in biology and plant sciences and crop mm-hmm. science to get involved in wine. You know, I, I think that's, that's going to be a big thing as far as like diversity goes in the production and, and, and vineyard side of things um, that I, I'm looking to bring awareness to. Um, one of the other kind of things for diversity that you touched on earlier saying like, you know, as a woman, you don't see a lot of representation um, in certain tiers in the line. I think that's very true. You know, at, at the end of the day, you know, I may be, you know, I may be a black man, but I'm still a man, you know. Um, I might not have a degree in winemaking, but I still went to Stanford, you know. So there are certain things where there have definitely been barriers to my entry into the business. I, I still feel like there's so many people out there that have to fight even harder than I did to, to get ahead. And that's particularly like women in wine production, which is something else that you, you don't see a lot of, you don't see nearly enough of. And it's, it's difficult kind of as the way the industry is set up um, and many of the entry level jobs are, are very, you know, uh, women are, are shied away from because it's very physical work. And I, I think that's a shame, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so really, sort of, sort of, sort of looking at ways of, of, of seeing more, more women involved in the actual production in winemaking, I think is really important for us to grow as, as an industry, you know? Because it's some of the things that I've had to had 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 you know have, have come across and encountered in the industry like pale in comparison because uh, they, I, I'm a guy compared to a number of like challenges and adversities that um, I've seen befall and have found out about from from other women involved in wine production and it's it's pretty I think I think that's going to be a big thing moving forward as an industry that we need to that we need to look at is looking at, at women in general and, and roles. Yeah. And I think is really, <clears throat> I think too, also like some other marginalized communities, like, you know, the LBGTQ community and creating safe spaces for them as well. Because once we have, you know, I think sometimes people look at this as like a zero sum game, which is if, if this person moves ahead, then what about me? But that's not the truth. The truth is if we help all of these marginalized communities get forward, we all win. Um, and everybody, everybody benefits. So, you know, really looking at it like that too. It's, it's, it's breaking down some of these, like, um, you know, these, I would say prejudices or um, maybe, not, maybe not taboos, you know, we have, or these, these kind of preconceived notions we have about people of, of different classes and whether or not they'd be able to do, to do, to do their jobs you know, particularly in, particularly in entry-level wine production, I think keeps a lot of people, you know, out of it, whether it's like a self-fulfilling, like a variant of stereotype threat of a self-fulfilling prophecy, or, you know, the, the environment isn't like super conducive to uh, making people feel included, you know, from other, mm-hmm. for, you know, from, you know, from, from other, from other walks of life, the races, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah, I, I mean, I can't, I can't just hearing stories. So my friends who are, you know, who are in the LGBT community, and just the, the roadblocks they've they've encountered, you know, permissions they've been they've been passed over. Mm-hmm. It's why you know for you know getting passed over jobs that qualified for it's it's very real because yeah. at the end of the day, wine wine is a process. It's 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 a thing. It's it's a trade. It's it doesn't have a gender. 
it's incredibly results-based. You can either do the job or you can't, you know, you do the job well, you made a good wine or you didn't. So this way or that, and these things that, and whoever made it and who they are, it's, you know, it is, it's a function of decisions. They, this is function of decisions they made, not the person they are. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, wine is, wine is very fair that way. It's also very fickle in that respect too. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you either, you either made a good wine or you didn't. And that's in each and every wine is a summation of all the decisions you made. So, yeah. Hey, it, let's, Hey, let's get, let's get people in positions that, that, that are good at making wine decisions and you'll have good wine. So yeah. They might, not, they might not have a certain mold or, you know, do this, that, or the other, but then get the job done. It's results based. Yeah. Such great points. I think one of the th- reasons I love wine so much is because you, you have people like you with such interesting stories. And as you said, like nerdiness or geekiness, which is like wine is such a geeky. Um, uh, and, and I mean that in the best way, like no, um, I'm, I'm, I'm a self-identified nerd. Yeah. It's I've like, had really 40 years of straight nerding. So, <laughs> but it's, it's the most interesting industry to me because of the confluence of history and culture and agriculture. Uh, and then people who have these unique backgrounds that come and say, Hey, this is the thing that I love and I'm going to make my mark and put my stamp on this label and this wine and share my story. And so I think it's just the coolest thing ever um, to get to p- talk to people like you, uh, fellow Iowan or not, um, and hear, you know, your story and how you came to, to be doing what you're doing as well as, you know, the thoughtfulness with which you approach the wine and life and this business. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's cool. It's, you know, you really hit the nail on the head, you know, wine is super interdisciplinary, mm-hmm. you know, you know, back in the day in 1998, I was like all state in chemistry. So qualify, I was one of the state qualifiers for the, for the, for the chemistry Olympiad test. Right. Um, but you know, I, I never, I never had, I never had the chops to make it as a scientist. You know, I, um, I really, I really loved like, like wood, like woodworking. My grandfather was a former industrial tech teacher and taught industrial arts and a school administrator. And that was like his hobby. So, you know, I inherited all his, all his tools. And I, I just lacked a certain degree of patience when it came to actually building. I couldn't dovetail joint to save my life. So, uh, (laughs) So like my money was to be made in like in, in, in carp in, you know in carpentry and furniture, but I always I always love crafting things. So it's it's interesting that I were, were I was so lucky, so fortunate to kind of stumbled bass backwardsly into into a career that's like at the intersection of like craftsmanship and science. Mm. Two things that I'm not terribly good at either. Um, I found at their their point of intersection is something that I've I've been able to you know make a have a have a pretty good go at have a decent career. Uh, it doing and have had some success with. So, you know, it's these two things that kind of seem to be kind of random and diametrically opposed to a certain degree, art versus science. Yeah. It's also in the pop group, right? Um, you know, that, that, that at the intersection, the two is something where, I, where I'd be able to, you know, to make, to make my mark, which is, which is really cool. You know, it's, a, it's a, a wonderful surprise every day in that respect. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love it. Well, I just want to say that I appreciate you and I appreciate you sharing your story. And I'm going to encourage folks, um, if it's not the Sparkling Sauvignon Blanc yet, but to go out there and purchase Bodkin Wines and then ask for it in a sack. Uh, and, <laughs> 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 and cheers and toast 
Chris. Um, what we say here at Vino Karma is thank you very much and cheers and continue to go out there and create change one sip at a time. Thanks so much. <laughs>